January 6th, it's the first day of Epiphany, the celebration of the Magi who bring gifts to the Christ child, the light of God, Emmanuel. And yet, January 6th will be forever remembered as a really dark day in our country. A day when we saw a mob storm the Capitol and through violence, looting, vandalism, disrupt a joint session of Congress. One of the difficulties of recording these podcasts a week before they're released, a lot can happen in six days. Things that I, we, as a staff, would want to speak into and process and address. Which is why we're here today, Friday morning, recording this introduction to what we recorded Monday that you're watching today. As one of the pastors at Awaken who's charged with teaching and preaching and speaking into your lives, I feel compelled to offer uh, the following thoughts. First, January 6th was really traumatic. Um, no matter what your race, gender, class, creed is, wherever you come from, what we saw happen was a traumatic and shocking experience. While it may not have been surprising to some, to see our nation's capital, the very houses of Congress, overrun by a mob was a shocking image, like something you'd see in a movie, but it was real. For me, to see violence and swastikas and Confederate flags, blatant racism intermingled with crosses and Jesus save signs and hymns being sung all in support of a president remains a very dissonant tone in my head. So I want to say it's really important that we talk about it, that we share the experiences and the feelings and the emotions that we have. Trauma and grief has this weird way of getting stuck in our bodies when we don't have places to work through it. And so this is where spiritual directors and therapists, even life groups, dinner tables with trusted family and friends, they become sacred spaces. So I want to encourage you to engage those. Second, as a church who has a stated value of justice, who wants to be about the active work of anti-racism, this is an important moment for us. This last week, Thursday, I was watching an address of President-elect Biden. He shared a story of his granddaughter who texted him a picture, a picture of full um, riot gear police in formation protecting the Lincoln Memorial before or during a Black Lives Matter protest. And she said, Pop, this isn't fair. We all know that if those who attacked the Capitol yesterday were black, there would have been a very different outcome. And his response was, she's right. She's right, and it's unacceptable as he pounded the podium. I think we know she's right. Even if we want to deny it, or it's too gross for us to admit, or we want to make an excuse for it, I think we know she's right. Which means that white supremacy and racism is alive and well in our country. And much of what happened on Wednesday put it on display for the world to see. And so as a pastor, I want to invite you to think through how the logic and ideology of white supremacy and then the subsequent white privilege afforded to white people at the expense of people of color, what role did that play in Wednesday's events? Clearly, I believe it did. But I want you to do the work of wrestling with that question. What role did that play in what happened? And as you do, I would encourage you, listen to each other's stories. Let's learn from one another as the body of Christ. Especially for my white friends, listen without objection or qualification to the stories of black and brown brothers and sisters. Listen to how they experienced Wednesday. Listen to how they interpret it and the events leading up to it. The, listen to the lived reality of someone else. And while we listen to each other, notice. Notice what rises up in you. Notice where you feel it in your body. Notice if your breath increases or your pulse goes up or you, you feel anger rising. Notice if you find yourself objecting or qualifying or wanting to give more context. These moments, I would suggest these are the invitations to do the internal work of a follower of Jesus who is committed to a gospel of justice and reconciliation. Listen and notice. And lastly, when the Magi came to find the king, what we celebrated Epiphany, 
They went to the most obvious seat of power. They went to find Herod. But what they found was not a baby or a celebration. They found a confused king. The scriptures say that when Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. My friend Mark wrote about this, and he said, when Herod became disturbed, the nation knew to be disturbed with him. Why? Because they knew that if Herod's insecurity and fear were activated, triggered, there could be great destruction released on the city and the people. History teaches us that great power and great insecurity is a very dangerous combination. See, the kingdom that Jesus comes to bring is a kingdom of power. But it's a power that's unlike the power of this world. It's not a power that marches down Pennsylvania Avenue and destroys and demands that its terms be met or violence will ensue. No, it's a power that serves, that forgives, that lays down its life for even its enemies. It's a power that's energized by love, a love that's concerned with what's beyond self-interest. We don't place our hope and trust in a kingdom and a power that shows up like Herod. Our hope is in the power of resurrection and in a kingdom of love. But make, make no mistake about it, friends, this doesn't let us off the hook. It's not a pass when we see our brothers and sisters who are being harmed or killed by kingdoms that look like Herod. No. We're called to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with God. So to my friends, my beloved community called Awaken, may we be found acting and working for justice with our bodies and our lives. May we be found loving mercy and compassion. And may we be found walking, moving in the world humbly and in partnership with God. This is my hope. This is my prayer for us. May it be true. Welcome to Awaken and our gathering. Whether you're coming in virtually or by podcast, we're so glad that you're here. And whether you're new to our community or you've been around here for quite some time, again, we're so glad that you're with us for this time of worship. As I begin our time together, I'm going to be offering a call to worship from a psalm. So um, bring your hearts, lend your ears and listen to the words of scripture. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord, let all creation praise the Lord. Sun and moon, all you twinkling stars, skies and vapors above the clouds, creatures of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that hear God's voice, mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and livestock, small scurrying animals and birds, young men and young women, older men and older women, and children. Let all of creation Give praise to the Lord.
riches of our God and King. Lift up your voice and with us sing, oh, praise Him. director excited to be with you today and look what I have I have our box if you're watching this on Sunday January 10th today is the day that if your family registered you can come pick up boxes this afternoon I look forward to seeing so many of you again I'll be at the side door here just waiting for you so I look forward to seeing you I'm gonna go through a couple things in the box today I'm gonna to do that actually each week now um, but first I kind of want to focus in on the prayer. So last, each, I was talking about last, um, last week, I was talking about how each box has a prayer. And last week, Micah talked about the examined prayer, and that is actually our focused prayer this month. So I want to see who remembers what the examined prayer is. Can you guys tell your family what is it? If you watched last week, and if you didn't, do you know what it is? You can pause it, take some time to talk about it. I'm going to keep going, but if you're at home, go ahead and pause at any point to have more discussion with your parents or your siblings. So the examined prayer. Inside, I have a special little card here. 
Micah talked about the five points of the exam and prayer. And what I have done is created a little cheat sheet for you at home, a little bit more kid-friendly, so it has, it's a little bit more simple, and I want you to keep this around for a very long time because it is such an awesome prayer to do throughout your whole life, starting when you're even so little. It doesn't matter what age. But I've kind of talked about the history of the prayer on the card, and also I have some very simple questions that kind of center around the prayer. We talked about it last week um, as we reflected on 2020. Now this is something you can do each day to reflect on the day itself. So those questions are, what moment am I most grateful for? So we talked about highs and lows. Maybe what was your high of the day? How did you see God in that moment? How did you receive or give his love? And then what moment are you least grateful for? Kind of the low of the day. What could have made it go differently? And what challenges do you face tomorrow? And how do you need God's help? So take some time to look at that. Also, something Micah mentioned, I'm not sure how many of you were listening all the way to the end of Micah's teaching last week, but he mentioned finding 10 pictures that sum up 2020. That's not easy because I tried and wow, we have a lot of pictures and there were really, really great times of 2020 and then there were really not so great parts of 2020. Um, In your box this month, you're gonna have something that looks like this. This is a photo album and I've created a little cover for it with one of my favorite, favorite quotes from Desmond Tutu. It says, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. And remember the theme of our box this month is light. Inside your photo album, I would love for your family to try to find 10 pictures. It's not easy, it really isn't. We printed about 40 and we did narrow it down to 10, but we're still working on it. So throughout the photo album are your pictures. And then on the opposite side is a note card. On this note card, I want you to do a little journaling as a family. So you can write it or your parents can write it. And I want you to answer a few questions about each picture. And actually, all these directions are right on the back of the exam and prayer card. And some of those questions are, when was the picture taken? How would you summarize the picture? Where can you find Jesus in the experience? Uh, What feelings does the picture give you or the experience, remembering that experience? And what might God want you to do about those feelings? And then lastly, how has the memory impacted you or changed you, and how will it inspire you as you enter 2021? So I hope that each of you will have a chance to do this. It's a big, it's a big thing, but maybe you can spend the whole month doing it. Maybe a picture a week or a picture a day. I also want to show a little bit more what's in the, in the box. So we talked about the book last week. And now as we reflect on 2020 and look forward to 2021, I want you guys to be remembering our theme, light. To find that light in the darkness. To also be that light. To ask God to help you to be that light and to show you his light. And in our book, I'm just going to read a couple pages. I already told you a little bit about it last week. Be the difference. And this is a book that is optional. It can be in your box or you can get it at the library. I just love it because it's such a great inspiration as we start a new year. And I want you all to know that you are so able to make a difference and to be a change in the world. And this book just goes, has so many great ideas to do that kid-led. And it it doesn't have to be adult-led at all. So I'm just going to read a couple of these pages. Everyone can make a difference. Big people, little people, and people in between. Everyone can make this world a kinder and a more beautiful place. Making a difference can be as simple as a kind word to a friend or as life-changing as raising money for those who have lost everything. There are just as many little ways to make a difference as there are big ways. You don't need to be in a group to make a difference. You can be one person or three people or 100 people. All that matters is that you want to make a difference. You want to make the world a kinder and more beautiful place. To get you started, here are some ideas. I know you have plenty of your own, so there's space at the back of this book for you to write them down. Share this book with your friends and family because one person sharing one idea 
can change the world. And then it goes on and I'm excited for you guys to get to read this at home when you pick up your box today. And lastly, another little part of the box. So often we find God's light and wisdom in his creation and in nature. And today Mike is gonna talk more about this, but I just wanted to share a little part that's in our box this month. It is our community card. Each month we have a community piece, something to do with other people. And this month, I'm gonna read this for you. It says, after a fresh snowfall, make a lantern for you and a friend. I'll give you a little hint. There's gonna be some materials to make your very own lantern in the box. Make a lantern for you and a friend and go for a walk after the sun sets. Notice how the snow brings light, even in the night sky. Spend time pondering how you will bring light to the world, to your friends and family, to your neighbors, and to those you may not even know. On your walk, when you do this, I want you to notice what's around you, all the beauty that God gives us. Light can come in so many different ways. I'm so curious how you'd answer what light means to you, or what do you think about when you hear the word light? You can share that with your family. Maybe you think of actual light from the sun or the snow like I just talked about, or maybe just light from a light bulb. Maybe light is learning something new or finding understanding that you didn't have before. Maybe light is just happiness or kindness or beauty. I want you to really think this week about the light that's around you. I want you to look for the light. I want you to see it, I want you to notice it, and I really want you to enjoy it. I hope you have an awesome week and I look forward to seeing you this afternoon. All right, Awaken, let's sing a blessing over the kids in our community. May God give you eyes to see all that is good, all that is good. The courage for anything, may you be strong, may you be strong. May God give you ears to hear His loving voice, His loving voice speaking friends. Welcome back to Awaken. So glad you're here. The writer of Hebrews in his letter says that we should not forsake the meeting, the habit of meeting together. So we meet. We meet even in the midst of a pandemic when gathering is difficult. We keep doing this thing that we call gathering, meeting. And we do so for a number of reasons, right? Uh, as the church, we've been called to bear witness to this story and to tell the story of God and Jesus and uh, coming as the light of the world. We, we gather to, um, to sing, to join our hearts together around these ideas that we believe are true. We gather around communion and baptism and baby dedications and to hear the scriptures read and taught. We do all of this because I believe, we believe that what we're doing matters. Um, it's important. And so I'm really grateful that you're with us. Uh, every now and again, I, I have this moment where I'm like, are we going to have a church when we come back? <laughs> and, and, and then time and time again, you remind me that we will, because you keep tuning in, you keep engaging, you keep joining us in this journey. Um, and even more than that, I'm grateful that so many of you give to Awaken, um, not only of your money, but of your resources, your time and your talent, your passions. Um, some of you know that December is our, a very important month. We get one-fifth of our budget in the month of December. And so every year around Christmas, it looks a little bleak uh, based on what we need in December and in terms of what comes in. And I should know this by now. There's like a pattern here. 
Um, but this year it was no different. Christmas came and went, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is this is, this is not good. <laughs> you know, conversations about okay, what are we going to cut? What do we pull back on? What do we stop doing in order to manage uh, the resources that have been given? And uh, just when I think all is lost and it can't get any worse, you go and totally redeem yourselves. Like sixty thousand dollars came in between Christmas and New Year's. And in our uh, over $100,000 in the month of December, uh, and we ended the month right on target in terms of our budget and expenses. And so um, I guess I just want to stop for a moment and celebrate that and say thank you. Um, bottom line, I think, we think as a staff that this church is special and that the work that we're doing really, really matters. And in moments like that, it's a reminder that you all agree with us and um, that just brings so much joy. And so I just want to say thank you for that, uh, for continuing to stand with, with our leadership, uh, with our staff, and with what we believe to be a, a mission and a, um, you know, a vision that God has called us to live into. And so uh, it's people like you that make it happen. So thanks for, for participating in that. Um, today we continue our series called A Long Winter, Seven Practices That'll Get You Through. Uh, get you through what, you might ask? Well, a long winter to start with. Uh, COVID, a pandemic, um, epiphany, that's the season that we're in, um, a number of things, short days, long nights, um, you know, all these things. And so the idea is that this series would be very simple. It, uh, there was an old story about a football coach who stood in front of his like NFL players and was like, this is a football, to which you'd say, they, they know that, of course, duh. Uh, but the idea was like going back to basics because the basics, the fundamentals help you play the game. Uh, and, and similarly, if you follow the, the illustration, there are some fundamentals to the Christian life. There are some fundamentals to the spiritual life. And so that's really what this series is about. The fundamental building blocks for, for a faith that is alive and um, staying connected to the vine as it were. So last week we talked about the examine. Give thanks, ask for light, examine your day, seek forgiveness, um, resolve to change, to be a part of something. And so um, this, this simple prayer, uh, I, I've heard from a number of you already, you're using Instagram and Facebook to talk about your experiences, it's so great. Keep doing that, that's part of what we wanna have happen in this series. So I wanna encourage you to keep doing that. And uh, this week is, is as much a practice as it is a spiritual pathway, um, a, a way by which people time and time again throughout the course of history have testified to the fact that creation and nature is a means by which people connect with and experience the divine. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to talk about creation and nature. And um, I want to, in, this week, I want to invite you to get out in nature more. Maybe, uh, maybe this is a part of your normal and natural everyday habits. Uh, great. Keep going. Good job. Keep doing the work. Um, but maybe for, if, if that's not, I want to encourage you maybe to take a step towards that this week. And this is our practice, being out in nature and noticing some things. Um, actually, even right now, if you're listening to this, I would encourage you, pause and put your jacket on and go for a walk and play the podcast. Or if you're able, go for a drive and listen to it um, so that you can be in the places that we're talking about and that we're, we're considering. Um, my hope is that in doing so, we will stay connected to the vine, as Jesus says in John. I am the vine, you are the branches. You've been grafted in. All of you are un, you're, you're unlikely guests at a table or, or connected to this tree. So your job is to abide. It's to stay connected to the vine. And that's what I hope um, being out in creation and nature does for us this week. Um, so today, it may be an invitation to you to see things maybe uh, that you didn't know were there. Today may be an invitation to see in a new way, uh, a new kind of vision for what is always around us and present at all times. It, it may be um, permission for the first time to think about nature and creation in this way. Uh, and today may be just a reminder that you're on the right path, you're, you're headed in the right direction, so keep going. Um, but here's what I want to do. I want to look at Psalm 19, and then I want to um, share my own experience, a little bit of my own experience in nature and creation. And then I want to offer a possible way of seeing or understanding creation as the body of God. Now, um, I just realized, as I said that we're going to talk about Psalm 119, that I don't even have a Bible. So if anybody's in the room, if you could find me a Bible, that would be great, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, and, um, and then I want to close. Thank you so much, Krista. Appreciate it. Um, Krista, taping, videoing, appreciate her work. 
Uh, Psalm 19. Okay, so at the end of this, I'm going to give you just a very basic invitation, which will come at each one of these weeks. Um, something for you to do this week as you think about creation and nature. So um, let's begin with scripture. Psalm 19, verses 1 to 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to his course, to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Let's pray together. God, as we uh, turn our attention to the scriptures this morning, it's my hope and prayer that you would um, open something up in us. Holy Spirit, uh, do your work. To the degree that we can, we offer ourselves to you. Um, We place ourselves in your care and ask that you would move and shape, encourage, challenge, invite us to live into the kinds of people that you know we can be, that you've called and created and sent Jesus to die on our behalf for us to become. So, Holy Spirit, do your work, we pray. In Christ's name, by the power of the Spirit. And the church said together, amen, amen. Okay, so Psalm 19, let's start there. Uh, What is the psalmist saying when he opens with this psalm? I want to suggest that the psalmist is basically saying that creation is a word of God. Now, what do I mean by that? When I say the word of God, you, of course, if you've grown up around the church, you immediately think of the Bible, Scripture, right? It's the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sandy Patty. Oh, no, wait, that was David. (laughs) Sandy Patty maybe wrote a song about it. But the Word of God, um, when we say the Bible is the Word of God, what we really mean by that, if if you kind of peel back the layers a little bit, is essentially that God has chosen to reveal God's self through the words of Scripture. Another way of saying that is, Scripture is a primary means by which God reveals God's self to humanity. The psalmist here is essentially saying that creation and nature is doing the same thing that we say Scripture is doing revealing God's self to us. The heavens declare the glory of the, of the Lord. The skies proclaim God's work day after day, night after night. The handiwork in creation is revealing to us who and what God is like. In fact, it goes on and says, it says that it's doing it so clearly and effectively that to not know God, to not understand what God is like through creation and nature is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion. Yeah, of course. What is he saying? Weddings in the ancient world were, I kind of want to, I wish I could go back in time. You ever wish you could just go back? I wish I could go back in time and go to a wedding because they appear to be a real hootenanny. They were like week-long events. They, the whole, um, not only the family, but like the whole town, the whole tribe would come to these events and they were just a festive and joyous occasion. What the psalmist is saying is essentially that when the bridegroom came out of his chamber for the wedding, Everybody knew it. Like, you'd have to be a total idiot. You'd have to be asleep or completely hammered before the wedding ever even started to miss that. Like, it's the whole point of the story. You'd have to be intentionally ignorant of this fact. And the psalmist is saying, this is what creation has done. You'd have to be intentionally ignorant, not dumb, but ignoring to miss the beauty and the wonder of the divine present made known to us in creation. Creation, in this sense, is a word of God. Some would argue it's, it was, it's the first word of God. Thomas Berry said, the universe itself can be understood as the primary revelation of the divine. Creation, nature, the birds, the fish, the trees, the animals, the mountains, the stars, the oceans. They are the primary revelation of the divine, according to Thomas Berry. Thomas Aquinas says creation is the primary and most perfect revelation of the divine. You know, Thomas Aquinas, a real slouch in the theological world. He's a heavy hitter. Come on. I mean, that's got to matter for something. Sally McFaig, lesser known. Salvation is the direction of all creation. And creation is the very place 
of salvation. Salvation is the direction of all creation. Creation is moving in that direction. And creation is the very place of salvation. What is the psalmist saying? That there is enough made known to us by the word of God spoken in creation that you can know and experience and relate to the divine if that is all you have. I thought about today and I was thinking to myself, like, if, if, if someone doesn't, like, ask or get a little, like, oh, is, is he saying that God is nature? Is he saying, like, is this, is this pantheism? Like, if somebody doesn't critique me of that, I haven't gone far enough. Is this not what Paul says in Romans? That every, every person is without excuse? Just because of creation. It is a word of God. Creation itself is a word of God, a revelatory act. So, for you today, if by chance you have hang-ups with the church, it's okay. If you have hang-ups with pastors, people like me, priests, fine. If you have hang-ups with religion, uh, or even the Bible itself, it's okay. If you, if you have a hard time with Jesus Christ, okay. Creation itself bears witness to the presence of God all day and every day. The heavens declare its glory. So be in it. Soak it up. Breathe it in. Respond to it with gratitude and humility and awe. Dare I even say worship. Worship whatever it is behind those stars and that ocean and that mountain. It is a revelation of the divine sufficient for the knowledge of the divine. The Bible itself says so. For the Bible tells me so. So the psalmist is saying that creation itself, the trees, the water, the mountains, it's a word of God. It is a revelatory act happening right here and right now all around us. Which leads me to the second point that I want to make, which is to say a little bit more about my experience and journey as it relates to creation and nature and theology and God. I grew up in evangelical Christianity, which has a lot going for it, truth be told. It's love of scripture being one. It's love of the, of the word being taught, preached. Uh, that's a Protestant Reformation, like evangelical thing. I'm a preacher. Um, it uh, it's love for, for Jesus and uh, people knowing about this good news of God in Jesus. It also comes with a lot of baggage, which I'm sure maybe, maybe if the room were full, we'd have some knots. Amen, Brother Micah. Come on, bring it. I was reading uh, An Altar in the World by Barbara Brown Taylor this week, and she tells a story about when she was young, uh, she actually calls them her first churches the thicket behind her house and the, the creeks and the rivers and the lakes and all the places where she fell in love with the created world and whatever was behind the, the world that she lived in. She was in awe and wonder in creation. And then she describes in high school joining a real church as she describes it, as she talks about it. And there she learned that uh, her love of the natural world was misplaced because her love could only be directed to God. Only God was worthy of her love and only the Bible could teach her about this God. And as I read her account, I got to be honest, I, it resonated really deeply with me in my experience in evangelicalism, in Christianity, even in theological training. What I learned at church camp and in theology classes was that I was to fear the world and all the unbelievers in it. That my body was my enemy that it was the source of my most dangerous sin and my shame. My experience with evangelical Christianity was a little bit like the mother who had the son who was uh, at the carnival. He was a little too old. Uh, he had to go to the bathroom, and he was a little too old to go into the women's room, and the mom couldn't take him into the men's room. That would be terribly inappropriate. So she gets down on one knee and grabs his face in her hands, and she says, Honey, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get in and get out and touch as little as possible. That's what I learned in the church. As it relates to creation and the world, get in, get out, touch as little as possible. 
And I don't know if you're anything like me or your experience of God and creation and church and what you learned about it was similar to that. But I think that's true for many of us. John Mark, who used to be our worship leader, wrote this song called Christian Summer Camp, which is a real doozy. I think one of his best songs ever. Um, But in it, he writes, I went to Christian summer camp when I was just a kid, and it took work, but I finally repressed half the crazy stuff we did. He doesn't say stuff, but it's church, and there are kids watching. We learned about everything from creation to the end of time. We grew to hate our bodies, our minds, and other places where the devil hides. Nature, creation, bodies, embodiment. In the majority of my experience as a Christian, as it relates to these topics, what I was taught was to be skeptical of it at best. And at worst, to to deny it, abstain from it, or hate it. It was not God, and it was not to be worshipped. Because of this, it's taken me 43 years to learn that creation and nature is probably the most significant part of my spiritual life. Which is... actually makes me really sad that it's taken me this long to realize that. This last week, I was in a a Zoom call at a a life group up in my office. And somebody asked me, Micah, it it seems like based on your Instagram feed, you're always posting pictures of trout and being outside. And like, it seems like nature is really important to you. And I started reflecting on it. And I was like, you know what? It actually, it really is. Fishing for me is a a perpetual series of occasions for hope. How beautiful is that? kind of makes you want to go fishing. It gives me the gift of not thinking about any of you or the president or politics or the economy or all the things wrong in the world. The only thing I think about is how to put that fly in front of that trout so that it eats it. And I have learned that that is a gift for as long as I'm out there. In the past five years of my life, when I think back on the moments when I felt or saw or heard or experienced the presence of God most intimately and profoundly, nearly every single one of them involves being outside. Or completely and totally connected to my body and what I was feeling in my body. Surfing in the ocean, feeling very, very small amidst this gigantic force that could end my life but has given me this brief moment to let, it, to let me ride it and harness its energy without destroying me. Standing in the redwoods, standing on top of the Sierra Nevadas with the wind on my face or on a sailboat with the wind on your face. The stillness of the sunrise or the moon rising over the Mississippi at, at night. Nature and creation have become a sanctuary of worship where I've experienced the divine. And I'm telling you these things because no one ever told me I could. No one ever told me that that was okay. No one ever said that's actually part of how you might find and experience the divine. No one gave me permission to do that. So this may be really basic to you and it may be obvious, but I'm telling you these things because no one told me. Maybe I was listening to the wrong stations. Maybe I was listening to the wrong people. Maybe it's part of the baggage and struggle for many of us who grew up in evangelicalism. So maybe it's obvious, but maybe it's not. Maybe today's an invitation to wake up to something you've never seen before. Maybe it's an invitation to see in a new way. Maybe it's an invitation, maybe it's permission for the first time to be able to interact with and possibly think about creation as a word of God, a revelatory act happening all around you right now. Maybe that's why the psalmist spoke so profoundly and ineffably about it. Which leads me to one last thought. And this is a bit more of a wondering. Maybe it'll be helpful, maybe it won't. Permission to, like, take it, think about it, or not. But what if we saw creation as the body of God? Now, I don't mean like, you know, Shakespeare's body of work. I'm talking about like flesh and blood, 
skin and bones bodies? What if we thought about creation as the body of God? Richard Rohr says that the incarnation happened billions of years ago, but most Christians have only thought, taken it seriously for about 2,000 years. What's he saying? When we say incarnation, we immediately go to Jesus. 2,000 years ago, God made known, manifest to us in the person of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. And rightfully so. It's a pretty significant moment in incarnational history, right? Maybe the most, the pinnacle as it were. But if you step back and think about it, you could argue that there were multiple incarnations, couldn't you? If the incarnation is God being manifest, made known, embodied, enfleshed, is Israel, the Hebrew people, not an incarnation of God? What were they to be if not a holy city, a a light on a hill, a, 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 a priesthood of believers? Well, a priest represents God to the people. What is that? It's an incarnation, God being represented to the people. So you have Israel, then of course you have Jesus, we all know about that, we just went through Advent for crying out loud. And then you have the church, the the church of Jesus in the world. What are we if we are not an incarnational group of people? At least hoping to incarnate the Christ everywhere we go. But couldn't you argue the same thing about creation? What if creation itself is the body of God, a body of God? What about God becoming incarnate, manifest, made known to us in and through creation? Therefore, creation itself is the body of God. What if the limbs of the trees and the water and the rivers and the birds in the forest, the salmon and the steelhead, the penguins in the Antarctic, the towering redwoods, the birds that sing, the warblers that migrate, the monarchs, the flowers that bloom in the desert, what if it all together is the body of God waiting for you to embrace it, to love it, to relate to it, wanting to give back joy and life, terror in the best kind where you feel and know you're alive? What if creation is the body of God? Through the act of creation, God manifested the eternally outflowing divine presence into the physical and material world. Ordinary matter is the hiding place for spirit and thus the very body of God. Honestly, what else could it be? Richard Rohr. This is why the mystics like, I don't even know how to say this name, Mechtild Magdeburg, that's pretty good. The day of my spiritual awakening was the day I saw and knew I saw all things in God and God in all things. Is that not Colossians 3? Creation. What's the psalmist saying? It is a word of God, a revelatory act happening all around you right now. Do you see it? Do you hear it? Do you experience it? You can. What if it is the body of God waiting to be embraced and held and loved and related to give and take just like you would with any other body? I think this one's really important. It's been really important to me. I'll say it that way. Some of the most significant learnings that I have had in the last five years of my life have been connected to nature and creation as it relates to God. And I'm sad it's taken me this long, but I'm really excited about being outside. So this week, as you go from here, be outside. The temperatures, I've looked on my phone, it's always right. It's supposed to be mild, mid-20s, maybe some snow. There's no bad weather, only bad gear. (laughs) That's what I tell my kids. So get out there, go for a walk, kick some snow around in the trees, sit for a while outside and just notice what's alive. You'll be surprised at what you see. So here's here's your, your invitation this week. 
as you are outside, or maybe as you are right now listening to this, what do you know about God because of what you see in creation? Unless we've screwed it up, it won't lie to you. So what do you know about God because of what you see and know and experience in creation? Let it be your scripture. Let it teach you about who and what God is like. What do you notice? What do you see? What are the patterns? Is there chaos? Is there a, is, does there seem to be some kind of purpose? What about the intricacies? Does God care about the details? I'm giving some things away here, but what do you know about God because of what you see in creation? That's your job this week. And share. Share on Facebook. Share it on, on Instagram. Take some pictures. Snap them. And tell us what you think. Let us know as a community ways that we can stay connected while we're apart. I'm excited for you to send you off on this little journey this week to practice this uh, discipline or this pathway of seeing and experiencing God in and through creation and nature. So let me pray for you and we'll sing, we'll come to the table, and then we'll send you on your way. God, we thank you for this day, <clears throat> for the sun that rose, for the life that is all around us, for the, the potential life that is right beneath our feet, just slowly pulsing like a heartbeat waiting to be born in the world. We thank you for the wonder, the majesty, the incomprehensible nature of your world that you have made and given to us as a gift to be caretakers and stewards of, oh God, Forgive us for the ways we have screwed it up, for the ways in which we have put our needs before shalom and peace and harmony and flourishing for all the creatures. Help us learn what it means to live in peace, in harmony, together in your world. And help us to see and learn and know who and what you are like because of what we see in creation this week, I pray. Holy Spirit, in the next few moments of silence, would you speak to our hearts, guide us, lead us to what is true and light, I pray. is 
Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. So whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. The things that I've taught you, the ways that you've seen me act and interact with, not only you, but the world around me. Remember. In the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is a new covenant written in my blood. Whenever you drink of this cup, you do it in remembrance of me. So this table that we come to, this Eucharist, this good gift, it is the table of the Lord, not of the church. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith or you who have little faith, you who have been here often, maybe not for a long time or ever before, come if you have tried to follow and even if you have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come, not because I invite you, but because the Lord, the resurrected Christ, invites you to come and be fed and known here at the table. So you take the bread, I'd invite you to hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat, my friend. In the same way as you take the cup, I'd invite you to hear these words the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Friends, that brings us to the end of our gathering today. This thing that we do because we believe it matters. A couple of things as you go you should know about that are happening in the life of our community. The first of which is the Learning Lab for this season starts on Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. You can still sign up for it. Unsettling Settler Colonialism led by Jacob Roram in our and awaken a tender. Really excited about that. So please join if you can. It's four weeks starting this week, the 13th. Uh, there's an artist book study starting on Thursday, um, 7 p.m. Melody is leading that. And then last but not least, a couple of gatherings happening um, in the next couple of weeks. This Thursday, this, the 14th, um, at from 5 to 8, the church will be open for you to come and be in the space to um, pray and contemplate and spend some time alone, uh, as well as Zoom worship which happens a week from tonight, Sunday nights, the 17th, 8.30 p.m. Mel leads that. So um, lots happening in the Awaken Weekly. If you're new, so so glad you're here. Um, there's a spot online. You can fill out a card to let us know you were here. We'll get back to you and connect with you. We'd love to do that. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, Amen. Grace and peace, my friends. Have fun. It's a big, wide world out there. See you next time.